0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. My name's Chris Badgett, and I'm joined by Jasmine Powers, coming to you from New Orleans, Louisiana. And Jasmine and I first met a while ago, actually through my business partner Thomas. They met at a WordCamp in Los Angeles, and I've had kept had some great conversations with Jasmine over the years about sales and marketing, and courses, and membership sites, and audience building. And I'm really excited to get into a conversation with her about sales conversations and marketing in general and just this whole expert industry. But first, Jasmine, thank you for coming on the show.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Chris.
0: And if you guys want to check out Jasmine as we get into this call, just check out her main website at jasminepowers.com. The audience here, Jasmine, we've got a lot of course creators Membership side owners or people who want to get into that, and uh, I always like to say it's really ch- it's challenging because you have to wear five different hats to really do this whole thing well, or at least your team. If if you know a lot of us are doing this solo, but some people have a team, and you need to have all these skills either in yourself or in your team or outsource some of it. And those that I describe are being an expert, which most people have. Then you have to be an instructional designer, someone who can you know, create content and organize and teach. You have to be a community builder, you have to be a technologist, and you have to be an entrepreneur. So there's these, all these very different skills that uh, for an online course or membership site to be successful, that someone needs to have. And one of the things I see people struggling with, as course creators and, and membership site builders and people with digital products, is they they're really passionate they can create the thing but sometimes they struggle especially in the beginning when they're first launching on selling. So can you talk to us a little bit about sales conversations and and you know kind of instead of just doing the content funnel and and automating everything like what, what what's your what are your ideas on that topic in terms of how people can look at selling kind of in a different way.
1: Right. So I think The first problem with sales and the whole idea of sales conversations is we have these experiences with salesmen where it feels very uncomfortable, um, forced, uh, you know, if you've ever been to a Mary Kay party (laughs) or, or know somebody who sells Avon, sometimes their sales strategy is very pushy and you're like, just get away from, you know, just get away from me. So when we think about like actually selling or making calls or, you know, otherwise trying to let people know our value and that they should purchase our, our products or courses, uh, we immediately assume that people will feel the same way that we do when we are in a pushy situation. Um, so I think that's one problem. The other problem is I think that marketing, uh, you know, round about circa 2008, two thousand and nine. Social was the big thing, and and it promised to almost like replace the need for these real conversations with people. And immediately, you put something on social, and everybody buys. Um, but that's not the case. Sales and salesmen and sales calls and cold calling and all of that still exist, and it's still uh, people are still having success with those things. So, for many of us, we're selling high end courses. And we do need to start having conversations with people, uh, real ones, not pushy ones. Uh, and I found that having the sales conversations made a world of difference in me enrolling people into my courses and memberships. So I definitely think that it's an important step, especially if you're selling something that's not automated, uh, you know, like automated funneled. Uh, in, in click funnels, or you know, if you, especially if you're not using all of that heavy stuff, then, um, or maybe even in addition to those that automation, you need to add a level of one-on-one communication.
0: I love that. I think it's a it's a very classic notion that the you know the pushy salesperson, nobody likes that experience. So, but that doesn't mean that all conversations in the sales process are like that. So, um, especially experts who don't necessarily have a lot of experience marketing or selling, uh, it can feel like, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be a salesperson. But a, a sales conversation doesn't have to be unpleasant or forced. It can it can be a lot of fun actually. And it's actually a you know to sell is just to be in service to another human being. Make sure they're a good fit, and everybody walks away with um, you know a winner. That's what sales is really all about. And I, I really like how you highlighted 2008. That's really when, the uh, you know, the information product business on the internet and this whole online automation, email marketing and autoresponders and all this stuff really started to take off. Um, and I think you're absolutely correct that we sometimes drink the Kool-Aid or we get lost in these automation tools and forget about this critical selling piece. What? Does a, if somebody's like, okay, this sounds cool. What is a simple strategy for an online course creator to do to create sales conversations? And when they have those, what do they actually look like?
1: So one of the easiest ways to start a sales conversation is really like, you know, via an in- inbox message. So, uh, a friend told me uh when i was kind of struggling with sales and i was like i can't get anybody enrolled i can't get anybody on my consulting like what should i do and she said well first off you know get into some other communities like be a part of another community post great stuff comment on other people's things, and then friend you know do a friend request so i'm talking primarily using facebook um do a friend request and of course, you're already posting great content on your own wall. When they see that, uh, you know, shoot them an inbox message and try to book a meeting. And I was like, mm, well, you know, okay. Like I, I already inboxed friends and, and things before, but this time it was kind of warmed up, you know, a warmed up conversation because they've already engaged with me and had some value just as my Facebook friend. Um, but with the addition of the great content that they've liked or commented on, it kind of warms up the opportunity for you to shoot an inbox message and say, "Hey, um, I'm gonna be doing a webinar. Uh, tonight, I love for you to get involved and maybe when you uh, have a free moment, I'd love to chat with you about your goals and what you're promoting this year. So I'm, I'm a marketing consultant, so of course, my things are you know gonna be geared toward sales and marketing and helping people with that. So I'll say something like that. They usually always oblige and I get on a sales call. And what I used to do was like try to solve their problems on the call. And I wasn't converting because I'd answered all their questions in the call. So I was basically like consulting during the sales call. But once I switched to doing more of a discovery call where I asked the questions, um, it gave me a lot of vital information. So then I could propose my solution. So after I, I kind of find out, you know, what, what they're doing, what their goals are, what their next level looks like, um, you know, get a big picture overview of what they want to accomplish and a the transformation they'd like to see in their lives. Then I can say, well, uh, you know, great goals. Uh, I, I definitely think that you can accomplish this, um. So let me tell you about how I work with people. I work with people in three different ways. i have one one-on-one consulting where we work together for a period of six weeks. We do weekly calls. They're one-hour a week. We record them on Zoom. Uh, so you have it to use for later reference. Uh, and then we, you know, and, and we primarily cover messaging, uh, content marketing strategy, and, you know, whatever their goal is. You know, I have this online course where, it's, uh, you know, I have a self-study version of the online course where you just watch the videos and you study at your own pace. It's really not a lot of engagement, but if you, you know, it's a cost-effective option. But the option that I recommend for you is this particular course because it has a combination of the online course component, but you get access to me and group members and you can ask questions. And then at the end of that, I usually say, which option works for you? And some people are like, "I want the self-study version." So, okay, course sold. Some people are saying, "Okay, I like the middle option. I would like to get the course, but have the opportunity to talk to you and inter- interfa- uh, interface with other community members." Okay, course sold. Or the third option is VIP, which they still get access to the courses. Uh, and then consulting so so there's really like not an option opportunity for them to like say no like give them options and sometimes if they say no of course then that goes into entering people into some type of uh uh what do you call that i can't even think of the word like hubspot or some hubspot crm follow up with them in a week or you know a month or something and then hopefully you can sell again at a later time but what i really found transformative was Really making the sales call really you know less about me the pitching how wonderful my course is and how they need to uh, buy it but really finding out w- more about them and then trying to fit my product into uh, into what they really ultimately need and by doing that, I found that I was able to convert much 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 better and it didn't feel like pressure because, you know, if you really want this and you know that this particular solution is going to work for you, you buy in, you know, it's, it, it, and I, I I never want to push people, but I do follow what with them. And some of the ways I follow up with them is, uh, you know, sending articles that I've written since our last conversation to say, I thought about you uh, when I wrote this here, check this out. Let me know when you want to catch up. And then you can sell later. So it's a you know that's really kind of like the cut and dry version of well, what a sales call looks like for me.
0: That's beautiful. Well, I want to kind of unpack that a little bit, and <clears throat> I'm going to go in reverse order of what 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 you were just talking about. The first, the last thing you talked about was the follow up. And if you're worried about being a pushy salesperson, you just don't have to, just don't be a pushy salesperson. <laughs> it's not it's that simple. Like you said. When you follow up, you're adding value. You're not just calling and saying, are you ready to buy yet? You're saying like, hey, I was thinking about you and your problems and your goals. And I think you might like this article or I thought this video or whatever it is. Always adding value every step of the way is, is key. One of, the, one of the cool things that, that you talked about that was very clearly laid out is a model for experts to use I call it the three D's where it's do it yourself. That's the online course the done with you um, that kind of that middle option and then the um, done for you, which is sort of like the consulting option. And those aren't not every offer fits perfectly in those boxes. But when you have a spread like that, like the do it yourself option and then. I recommend at least like the do-it-yourself option and then the consulting, like more high touch, more expensive option. Um, and then you can put a middle option in there. But when you have a spread of offers like that, it it uh, it really helps when you are qualifying that person and learning about their goals, you're figuring out like, okay, where do they fit? Which is the right package for them? What can they afford? What is, you know, what do they most need? And That goes back to your ties into what you were saying before that which was um having those sales conversations uh doing a lot of listening asking a lot of questions what are your goals and you know finding that information out so that you can direct them to the appropriate offer makes a lot of sense and that's what really quality marketing and sales is all about it's just seeing what fits where, and uh, helping people unpack their problems, understand their problems, understand the solutions that are out there and the different options they have that they may or may not be aware about. And then I just want to go back in time a little further to what you said before that, which is a common thing for a new person in sales, especially if they're getting into uh, sales conversations, as an expert is to... Uh, let that 15-minute call or even hour call to, like kind of transgress into free consulting and the, um, the economics get a little messed up or the relationship gets a little bit messed up. It's always good, I believe, in consultative sales, but it's, it's very easy for a beginner or someone who's just really passionate about their subject and a really giving personality to end up doing a lot of consulting for free on a sales call, um, which, you know, you if you're a giver, you really want to give as much as you can, but you, sometimes it can, it can like mess up the expectations or set the relationship off in a, in a, not the best path where the, the economics are aligned and so on. What right. other advice do you have Jasmine about, um, uh, you know, sales conversation versus, uh, getting into consulting for free?
1: So I think, you know, you're right. Definitely consultative sales works, but I think it works. It's a lot easier to do a consultative sales process if it's if it's not information that you're selling, right? So if, for example, with Lyft or LMS, if you're talking to someone like they don't actually get Lyft or LMS in the sales call, uh, they still would have to buy into it in order to get that solution. And so talking about, like, how to use it, how to upload your videos or the best, better content, you know, breakdown and instructional design, they get information that's useful, but they don't get the solution. And with uh, information marketer, where where they struggle is a lot of times, you know, in the conversation, they're giving the part that they need to sell. So I think that the only way to really kind of balance uh, adding value is to share, you know, maybe share tips or a couple of resources, but don't necessarily give the answer to the question. You can say something like, you know what, I know exactly what will work for you. And we cover that in our course. Or when we get a chance, uh, you know, as we start to work together um, on our third call, we go over, um, you know, building your online course, and I have a five step process that I really think will be helpful for you, but you don't give the five steps on the call. Um, Or if you say the five steps, you don't go into extreme detail and give it all away. Because there has to be some type of barrier uh so that there's a reason to pay. People love free information and they'll take it, go and then go sell it to their community. So, yeah. you know, if you have to kind of create some um boundaries and editing uh of yourself, especially if you're a natural giver, so that you uh really present your products and services as the solution and not that first discovery call. I
0: love that. I, I think the boundaries word is critical and really what that boundary is from my perspective is knowing what your offer is like what is your offer like what is the paid premium offer and there's this whole conversation that goes before that but you cross that boundary um, there's a simple framework called <clears throat> i don't know what it's called but like the i think it's about buyer awareness or something
1: mm-hmm.
0: at first they're unaware and then they're problem aware, which is when really when a sales conversation, I think, makes sense. Like if they're unaware, maybe they come across your content or something. But once they're problem aware and know they have a problem or a goal they want to achieve, then they're problem aware. And then they find out about you, you know, or they find about about these solutions out there that are, you know, could help with their problem. Once they find out about the solution in general, then they become product aware, where they're like aware of uh, like what it is you specifically offer. But in that journey to becoming product aware, there's so much you can talk about and consult with somebody on a 15 minute call or in a short email um, that you can help add value in advance before you get to that boundary that you talked about where they're getting into the actual offer mm-hmm. yeah, what, absolutely. what um what do you think you mentioned Facebook, you mentioned um some emails and getting involved in social media, which I totally agree um I personally I'm in probably two hundred Facebook groups. I don't get, I don't get in there every day. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't just drop links to, uh, you know, my stuff. I will, if it's relevant and it's okay with like, whatever the topic is or the the specific group, but I'm always going in there with that, you know, consultative sales conversation mindset of like, if I'm in like a, a group about membership sites and somebody's like, what microphone should I use? I just share my microphone that I like, and I don't say anything about Lyft or anything, but I just try to help people. And it's over time, you really build some influence that way. What can you tell us about your experience in more detail in the groups or on social?
1: Yeah. So with social, number one, I'm obsessed. So <laughs> I'm on there all the time. Uh, But I think where people go wrong with social and especially groups is they do make it very self-centered and focused on like their solution rather than, you know, what other people might be needing. So if you're in a group to sell, like don't be obvious, (laughs) like don't (laughs) like don't go in there like I have this event to promote, I have this course to promote, don't approach it that way. There are opportunities right there when people are doing their regular posting and asking questions for you to merely come in and answer their questions or make recommendations. Uh, if they want help or more help, they typically will ask for it. Or you can gently say, you know, I'd love to talk more uh, about it. it. You know, if you're free, just shoot me an inbox message so that it's you know, kind of up to them Um, and not pushy and things like that. The other thing is you can share thought leadership content in groups. So I'm in a group called brand build and launch and it's for e-commerce store, you know, store owners. And since a lot of them are not doing SEO, you know, one day I just came in and said, you know, I know you guys are focused on ads and Facebook ads, but um, let me introduce you to the tool, uh, Google Search Console tool. And I did a video on how to set up Search Console. Uh, and that particular post was useful. It wasn't promotional because I wasn't promoting that I was setting up Search Console. But what it eventually led to was me being able to do some consulting around that. So just add, you know, add value, but add value for adding value sake and not because you're like, I got I to gotta sell 100 courses today, you know, because it comes off as desperate and pushy. And some uh, group admins will delete you. So <laughs> definitely, if you're going to do it, I just say be a friend, uh, be add value, uh, and the opportunities will come. And then if people tag you in things, and this happens to me a lot, people tag me because they see me on social media sharing videos all the time, respond to the tag. Like it's really simple. It's really simple, but people won't respond to the tag. They won't inbox and further the conversation. And they'll, they'll be very passive about getting clients. And I think it requires a little bit of assertiveness to say, yes, I provide this solution. I'd love to talk to you and you send them. I use acuity. So and you use Calendly, So like whatever your booking tool is, send it to them, have it ready. Uh, and let the person book a conversation, and you get on. You sell the person, you have the client, uh, or or, your, or enroll people in your course, especially if it deals directly with the person's problems. So I think it's just a matter of really being being a giver, you know, and really thinking about how can I truly serve these people. I I, I know some people are a lot more aggressive. Uh, I don't like that style, but posting great content and uh responding when you see people with those questions has always been extremely helpful for me.
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And the uh <clears throat> I think it's a real skill set to develop um the 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 live call. Like it's a it's a uh it's almost like a lost art in the internet these days like you mentioned since 2008. But I've over the years tried as much as I can to make myself accessible to 15 minute calls with anybody in the world about who have questions about lifter building their course membership site marketing questions whatever it is and I do a lot of those and I um but you can also time box it like it doesn't have to take over your life I think that's a worry some people have like Mm -hmm. their calendar is going to get overrun but you can have like you know a two-hour block one day a week and another two-hour block another day a week and, you know, I, when I do that, it fills up, like it's, it's always, it fills up, but it doesn't expand outside of the boundaries. And sometimes people say like, Hey, you don't have any openings <laughs> until like March. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm booked up. But, but then I open up like a group situation where I'll do some webinars, which are more scalable and so on. <clears throat> but that uh, the 15 minute call is a challenge, especially for the newer person, because what ends up happening when you start talking and adding value and showing interest in this person and they're, what they're trying to do or what their problems are, um, they get really excited, which is good, but they uh, they tend to go right over the 15-minute mark and just keep going. So, it, it is a skill set to develop if you are going to do, like, kind of open yourself up to this kind of engagement and sales conversations to you know kind of what i like to do is when i start the call i like to set the expectation of like okay here's what we're going to do here's what you know i'd like to talk about and try to do for you today we have 15 minutes I, i've got it so much down to a science a science that i actually have an alarm on my phone that goes off not to be annoying but just so that i know like all right i got to go cuz i got another one of these starting right up because i time block it mm-hmm. but but um <clears throat> i don't know what And and if we look at that whole issue of like unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, I might be having a sales conversation with someone who's just at the problem level. Like I don't, you know, I'm, for example, like in the online course world, uh, I talk to a lot of speakers who are like, I travel, I live on planes, I live on hotels, I miss my family, I want to figure out this whole internet online course thing. And deliver my content and develop online programs. I mean, they're they're kind of solution aware, but they're they're kind of between problem aware and solution aware. So we there's a lot we can talk about that has nothing to do with the actual offer that we offer, and just add a lot of value and help them think through the options, um, which is good. But what <clears throat> you know, what other advice do you have for sales conversations when, when if people get it? get it going, start adding value, maybe invite people like, Hey, I'd be glad to talk about this uh, problem you're having or this solution you're looking for on a 15 minute call. How should they approach that call?
1: Um, I think that framing is good. So when you come into the call and you set the expectation, that's definitely a good way for uh, you to set the tone for what's going to happen. But Um, I recommend, I think the, I think the book is called, this is how you pitch. I think, (laughs) no, pitch anything. The the titles are very close. Um, One of them is about PR. The other one is about sales pitches. And in the book is, it talks about really kind of assuming an alpha role in a sales situation and what will happen and what you will encounter is a person who is very type A, who's like, you know, I'm going to take control of the call. And what ends up happening typically is like you're trying to pull whether or not you know you're worthy to work with them. And I hate that energy. It just feels yucky because I'm like, I'm, an, I'm a professional. I know my stuff. I'm not going to beg you or try to prove that I'm You know that I'm worth working with. If you want to work with me, you do. And if you don't, you don't. Right. So I think it's important to kind of make sure you set the tone, even if the person has that personality is make sure you're the one asking the questions. They can ask questions, but make sure that's after you've already established that, you know, established your, you know, that you're the right person for uh, their, their job. Uh, because a lot of times I think clients don't know how to Qualify a service provider. And so they'll ask you a bunch of stuff that really isn't relevant to actually whether you can do the job. So you just fix that up by saying, you know, doing what I said earlier is you ask them relevant questions to their project or the problem or whatever their goal that it is that they have. And by doing that, you actually um, establish, you know, establish your authority on it because you're asking very well thought out questions. Um, if they have questions that make you uncomfortable or you don't know the answer to just just admit it You know, like oh, I don't know that or I don't use that tool Like I had a guy who, who wanted to, you know needed a video editor. I don't do video editing But this is what I do do, you know, don't ever lose your kind of your stance or ever kind of show up as insecure or uncomfortable because a client will pick that up and they will not feel confident in hiring you. So you have to make sure that you feel, um, you know, at least give off confidence and surety. And I I feel like one of the ways you do that is um, by asking the right questions, answer when appropriate, or if you need to redirect and just shift the energy um, you know, make those necessary moves. I know that was kind of long-winded, but <laughs> that, that's kind of like where, where, where I think people lose their footing in a sales call is letting the, the person take over the call and you never want to be in that situation.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's such a great tip. Um, I think one of the things too, you can do is when you open it up is just kind of restating your value proposition or your offer. Like, I'm, you know, just, I, I help people achieve this result through this method. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I help these kind of people achieve this kind of result through this method. That's the basic elevator pitch. And uh, I, I've experienced the same thing, like you're talking about where I may have some knowledge in some other things outside of what my actually business offer is, or I may not know it all, and I know you're going to need this other thing. Uh, to be successful, but just because it, it's really easy as a beginner, um, you know, in consulting or selling online to uh, just like all of a sudden your offer changes and now you have something else you're going to do for the project or whatever. So being strong on your offer, I think it's it's important to be open to like, uh, you know, a, a customer, your type of person requesting something to be like, you know what, maybe I should bundle that into my offer. It's okay to take advantage that when it makes sense, but it's, <clears throat> it can get you into trouble if you, you know, take on SEO, if you're doing websites or whatever, and you don't necessarily have a background in SEO. Um, but I also love what you really were talking about in terms of, uh, it is, it is important that you do the qualifying as the expert on the sales conversation, because if somebody's either type A, or you're just not really getting into it, um, they're actually going to take over on that job of qualifying. Like, is this, can this person do what I need? And maybe they're they're now constructing what the offer is and stuff like that. So uh, I think it's actually really relaxing for the um, the prospect, if you will, to just have they get to sit back, they get to be interviewed, and you, and the you doing the interview are the person that is responsible for qualifying to see whether one or some or all or none of your services are a good fit for this particular person at this particular time. So I I really love that. Um, Lots of great tips in there, Jasmine. Um, Go ahead. Did you have something else?
1: Yeah, I did. So one of the things I was just thinking about is sometimes also in the sales call, when you you know, feel a strange, you know, like a strange energy, also take Note that that could be an opportunity for you to not move forward. So feel comfortable in saying, you know, I'm not the best person for this project. Because uh, you never want to, I mean, I understand, you know, you got bills to pay, but usually with clients that are extreme, you know, extremely, you uh, I don't know how, how to how to say it. like they're unclear i really get uncomfortable if the this what they need is unclear because to me that means the project scope is going to grow and grow and grow and they're not going to want to pay and pay and pay so if you start to feel like i don't know this this project is feeling really like you're not comfortable and it's not a hell yes type of situation have referral partners subcontractors or, you know, if you want to still manage the project or something, but uh, decline moving forward, uh, because I think um, our businesses should be something that we actually enjoy. And the whole qualification process is about choosing the right people and the best people to work with and the people that you know you can deliver the best results for and if you don't think you can do it don't take it on because nobody will end up happy and sometimes it ends up in it costing you to work with that client so uh I think intuition is going to be extremely helpful in those sales conversations so you know what you should and shouldn't do in terms of moving forward with the project or enrolling them in your course.
0: I think that's such a great point. There's no greater joy in business to working with great people and the projects you really enjoy. And that's kind of up to you, the entrepreneur, to qualify who it is you want to work with and, and really think about that before you invest in a, you know, an online course project or a membership site or, you know, a bigger stack that also includes consulting and, and other things. Um, it's important to, you know, enjoy the people you work with, especially for sustainability. And I, I do this sometimes where I refer in my sales conversations, taking up my valuable time, I will refer people to my competition uh, if what they're looking for is it's a better fit with the competition and what, what ends up happening funny enough is, you know, sometimes they go, sometimes they don't, they end up buying my stuff anyways, but even if they go, um, they'll, I'll see them somewhere else on social media being like refer recommending our product because it's a better fit for these reasons for what that person's asking for. And people really appreciate the honesty of, um, you know my offer is not a good fit for what you've got and if you if you are ready with a with another option that's a that is a true good option for them to check out or at least a particular google search to do or whatever to find the right kind of thing that they're actually looking for that comes back to you as a you know as a benefit as just goodwill uh, you know, helping qualify, but uh, they didn't they didn't fit into what you offer, but now they're going somewhere else to get the help they needed. That's great that's a, that's a really good thing. Well, this has been a lot of fun, Jasmine. a um, lot of wisdom in here and i'm I'm blown away by some of these insights and just the clarity of what it's like to have sales conversations uh, and and it's just not something that people are doing enough of uh, as time goes on, we tend to be it seems a little more just behind the websites and, uh, you know, behind this, the smartphone or the social media profile, but actually engaging with someone directly, it's almost like a lost art in some ways. And I, I feel like you're bringing up a lot of those skills that are required if you want to be this kind of artist in the, in the sales world. And it's almost <clears throat> because it's almost a dying art, it seems uh, just doing even a little bit of this stuff or, you know, implementing it on a small scale can have big results and it can also be very differentiating. I can't tell you how many times I've been on a sales call and somebody's be like, I can't believe I can talk to you or I can't believe, you know, we could schedule meetings like this or I really appreciate you being able to like talk about this, you know, in advance of me buying anything or figuring out what I need to buy. It just means a lot. It seems like it's a dying art. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I definitely think it is. Uh automation is great, right? Like <laughs> I, I love automation. However, as a service provider, I also feel like um I, I want to get to know the people that I work with as well, you know. I'm I'm a very like you mentioned yesterday in our conversation just high touch. I I want to be deeply involved. And so, uh I don't know that a lot of people are doing that i think a lot of it is like let's just scale get as many people in here i make as much money as possible and if you are successful cool if you're not oh well right (laughs) and uh i I think for that reason um sales call is are, are not something that people want or they want to always um, outsource that to a VA and, and maybe that is what works best for some, but that's not something that I necessarily want to do. Um, so it is be, to me beginning to be a lost art to have real relationships with the people that you work with.
0: Yeah. And I would encourage those of you listening to not be scared that it can take over your calendar because you can scale it. Like just as an example, I still do a lot of one-on-one calls, but also I have... Uh, at least one webinar a month and I always have Q&A at the end. And if if it ends up taking an hour or even longer to get through the Q&A at the end of the webinar, those are sales conversations. I even have, I just started doing a, um, like a weekly um, sales Q&A for people to ask. There's no, I'm not coming with a presentation. I just open up a webinar and however many people come in, they can like raise their hand and I'll talk to them one-on-one. Lots of people like to hang out and just listen to the questions. Maybe their question gets answered or whatever. But it is something that can scale, which is part of the reason the whole automation thing is so attractive is uh, you know, it, it can become passive or whatever. But I, I can guarantee that like most of the influence and, um, you know, I guess a lot of the actual product sales that happen, started somewhere in somebody having some kind of real conversation and it it's uh it is a lost art Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so jasmine um if people want to find out more about you what's the best place for them to look i know you said you're active on social you've got your website at jasminepowers.com if people are looking for you know to get into your world of marketing and sales what where can they go
1: they absolutely can go to jasminepowers.com, but I am on Facebook um, at uh, jasminepowers, D O T C O M. So it's jasminepowers.com spelled out. Uh, if you want to get started uh, working with me, you can go to let's jasminepowers.com and hopefully we can get a chance to talk and, and, and see what we can build together.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jasmine, for coming on the show. And this has been a really fun conversation. And I know there's a ton of value in here for the course creator and the membership site person out there looking to spool up and get new customers. So thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me.